podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We're back again with another AI Writers podcast. Liverpool romped to a 4-0 win against West Ham, so we're currently sitting at the top of the table. Um, so I'm in very good spirits, and I imagine my co-host Tom, as always, is. Uh, Tom, how are you doing? We're going to win the league, yeah. There's no other explanation <laughs> for it. Good to hear some positivity at the start of the season, as always. Um, and hopefully, yeah, we keep up this, this winning start um, with Crystal Palace um, on Monday, I think it is, Monday evening. So that's always one that gets us a bit jittery as Liverpool fans. Um, but joining us this week is Hamza. Hamza, feeling good about the new season? Hi, uh, yeah, very good at the moment. Uh, that 4 performance was awesome. Uh, we didn't even look like we were pushing fourth gear. We coasted to that win. So uh, as ever, uh, wonderful to be on and looking forward to the season. It's great to have you on, as always. And uh, as you said there, you know, Liverpool, we weren't really... At, at our best and yet we managed to come away with a 4-0 win so I think that says everything about expectations this season um, last but not least uh, we've got Scott Groom back again for I think it's his second writer's pod great to have you back Scott how are you doing? Yeah good thanks Leanne um, yeah thrilled to be back second pod um, buzzing after the weekend to be honest it was a it was a good one but um, trying not to get too carried away I don't quite share Tom's early optimism of the title winners in August mentality but you know still remaining positive for the season Good to hear um, In a slightly ironic turn of events despite all our positivity we've got a bit of an injury special this week um, so we'll start off with Hamza who's written on why we're thinking about injuries all wrong um, I'll pass you, pass you over to him to talk about his article and, and his thinking behind um, injuries as a whole uh, So this piece was um just wanted to offer a different perspective to how we look at injuries. Uh, at the moment, Daniel Sturridge is very much in the spotlight as uh, everyone's favourite player again, as he usually is when he's uh, up, fit and running. Um, the issue is, though, usually when he's injured, uh, he's the subject of a lot of targeted online, not quite abuse, uh, but criticism. Criticism for stuff that's out of his hands, obviously, being injured. Uh, it's not his fault his body lets me down. It's, it's not any player's fault that their body lets him down, providing that they're being professional. And as we know, uh, Liverpool as a club, uh, and the staff within the club make sure our players are professional. We very rarely see them, uh, we very, very rarely see cases of unprofessionalism as we did in, in previous years. Take Charlie Adam as, as an example. Uh, and because of this, I, I think we should start to think of injuries, uh, in a more compassionate manner. Uh, Injuries don't just take a, a physical toll on the player. There's a psychological toll as well. Uh, it's very, very tough to to sort of empathise with them. Uh, as we know, these are footballers. They are getting paid thousand pounds a week. But at the end of the day, this is their job. Uh, this is is their livelihood, and this is what they enjoy most. And if you take that away from most people, if they can't go to work, uh, if they can't do what they enjoy, it's obviously psychologically very tough on them and I think we should think about this in, in the same way with our players as well and try and be as supportive as we can of course when there are players that are 
uh, getting on a bit and uh, the club can't afford the wages, of course, you get, yeah, you can move them on. But for the most part, we should try and be supportive as fans, uh, try and be patient with players. I, it's even more frustrating with players such as Alana and especially Sturridge because they're so, so good. Uh, when you see their talent, you, you can't bear to think of the team without them because they're so important. When you need them, uh, you want to see them on the bench there or you want to see them starting because they can make such a big impact. They can win games. And, it, and in some instances, uh, maybe even win titles or cups because of their performances in key games. Uh, and I understand as a fan why it's difficult when you see a player injured, but I think we should try and be more compassionate to these players, uh, a bit more sympathetic, a bit more supportive uh, with their injuries because it's not very easy. And Oxley Chamberlain, for, for instance, he's going to be out for a whole year. It's definitely not going to be easy for him uh, psychologically. So we've got to try and make sure that we're supportive uh, even as these players are forgotten as well. Oxford Chamberlain out of the spotlight at the moment has been for the past few few months. So uh, try and keep in our mind as, as the, the club and the team as well uh, and try and be as supportive as possible. Yeah, um, I mean, Oxford Chamberlain's never out of my spotlight, as I'm sure Tom will will come on to, to tell you. But it's a really interesting piece because, as you said, there's a huge psychological impact from getting injuries that maybe as fans we don't necessarily think about. Um, you, you've touched on it there, but the criticism of the players can be so damaging to, to the mental strength, can't it? Because we, we've seen earlier today um, and floating around Twitter, there's been a photo of Oxlade Chamberlain and Brewster photographed together, um, both both of whom have suffered their injury layoffs, quite a sustained period of times on, on the sidelines. And then alternatively, you've got the stick maybe that Lalana gets that Sturridge has had in the past. So, you touched on it briefly, but maybe delve into it a little bit more, that idea of the mental strength and how the aspect of fans' reactions, Hamza, can have such a, a detrimental impact to an injury, which a lot of people just consider, well, you know, you've broken your leg, you've broken your leg. When it's fixed, you're fixed. Uh, for footballers, more than anyone, when you get an injury, it, 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 make, it, it means a great, great deal. When you sit down and you, you see, I don't know, maybe you, your muscle that wastes away, you realise that now you've got several months of work just to get back to the, the level that you were at before you got injured. Then several more months of work to get back, uh, to try and improve upon where you're at. You now thinking about, uh, being a year behind in work. You've got to catch up. The players are improving around you. You might lose your place in the squad. You might lose your place in the England squad. Uh, as players like Daniel Sturridge, not played Chamberlain and Lana did, unfortunately for them, and that they're missing out on a collective memory, they're missing out on that wave of euphoria that swept across the country, and when you get fans as well that uh, are are on your your Instagram or your Twitter, and you you've posted a picture, you you're walking around, you're fit enough to walk around, but you're not fit enough to play, and they're like ah, well, why aren't you why aren't you why aren't you playing? Uh, we should get rid of you. Uh, you're taking up wages. It's it's really really silly because the battle with being injured is a great deal of it psychological. Uh, they've got to prepare themselves. They've got to be patient, and that's probably the worst thing. Just just waiting, trying to get uh, wait for the bodies to heal. Uh, and and in those instances, physically, there's not much they can do. They can try and uh, work on their, their 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 tactical understanding of the game. They're coming to training. They'll see their, their teammates out on the training pitch, but when you're just on the, the, the physio table, you come into training in the morning, you have breakfast with the boys, uh, you see everyone, and then you're, you're not training with them. You're missing out on that, that important. It's like when you go into school, 
uh, and you've got detention at break time. What's, what's the point? You hate going into school when it's like that. And that's probably what training feels like to some extent for these, for these players. Uh, and I think we've just got to be, try and be supportive as well. I know we're fans at the end of the day and the, uh, one fans input is probably not going to make that much of a difference. Uh, but just trying to be a bit more mindful, a bit more supportive can make the difference as well. Uh, I, I'm sure Oxley Chamberlain, uh, is sincere when he says he appreciates the support, uh, as I'm sure other players say that as well. Uh, and I, I think they say that for good reason as well. They, they wouldn't mention it for no reason at all. Uh, so that, that's, that's generally the sort of psychological side of, uh, of, of being injured. And, uh, we should just be mindful about that if we can. Scott, just coming to you briefly, um, just as an example, all this talk has kind of got me thinking about Daniel Sturridge, and I guess he's sort of the prime example, not just because of his injury record in the past, but also the way he sort of, he's come back as a player who almost shows that how hard it is from a mental point of view. He comes back and he's not really got that confidence to burst through with the yard of pace. Sometimes, yes, it's because he's lost it, but other times it almost looked like he was scared to run. And I remember speaking to, to Liverpool fans in previous seasons and they've said exactly that. He looks scared to get on the ball. He looks scared to run at the defence. And is that maybe attributed to this mental aspect of injuries and the fact that, you know, you, you come back and you've got this sort of mental block that, OK, my, you know, if you've broken your leg, OK, my leg's working again. Yes, I can run, but I can't run as fast as I could. Why can't I run as fast as I could? And you get into this sort of black hole. Well, yeah, I think that definitely comes into play. I mean, with a player like Sturridge, who's been so riddled with injuries, no matter, you know, athletes and uh, elite performers have, you often speak, hear them speaking about having this mindset of never, never say die, the determination, the constant strive for success. You know, and I, I, you know, footballers are in that bracket. You know, you hear them talk about it all the time. But to then have so many injury layoffs in such a short space of time, really, for storage, I mean, it's only been over the past sort of three years, which in football in terms may be quite a long time. But three years isn't an, isn't all that long. If they have all these different problems, it's got to play on uh, play on players' minds. And, you know, they'll be thinking like, if a, a similar situation arises where they picked up their last injury, they, they may well think, oh, not, not consciously, perhaps, but maybe a subconscious thought maybe makes them hold back or not give that extra half a yard or something like that. But, you know, I mean, it, it must do. I, you know, nobody wants to go through the months of hardship and all the time on the physio table that Hamza was just talking about and missing out on all of the fun stuff with the lads and the game time. Nobody wants to go through that, let alone the physical pain and the operations that may come with it. Like, it's a lot to put your body through. So I think it definitely, definitely plays on the mind. And I don't think that there's a, a situation where you can't say that that's happened. And I mean, you look at uh, other players, not just not just Liverpool players in the past, but you know, it it must do some kind of physical damage. I mean, Cisse springs to mind when he when he broke his leg when he played for Liverpool, and I think he broke it two or three years later or something like that when he was playing for France. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that may well have happened. I mean, you know, when that tackle went in, he that must have must have crossed his mind for the second time, like, oh, blimey, what happens if this one snaps? Well, again, you know, unfortunately for him, one of those tackles did. So it must be really tough, and you must have to have a, a real, a real air of self-belief about you to to be able to even come through that in the first place. So it's, it's got to play a part, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Last year, I had a car accident that put me out of action for about three weeks, and I obviously it's you know it's nothing compared to what these lads go through. But I, 
can sit, absolutely sympathise with all of Hamza's sentiments and then everything that Scott said because, as I say, I was off work for about three weeks and you just feel like crap because you sat there and you feel like you should be back at work but you don't quite know what to do with yourself. And about a week and a half in, I saw the doctor and he was like, look, if you want to go back to work, you can, but I would say if you're not comfortable with it, don't go back. So I took another week off work. I said to my boss, look, I'm not coming back for another week. And you just feel like absolute crap because you think, you know, you're sat there at home for doing nothing because there's not much you can do, really. And you're just kind of thinking, like, I've got to be, you know, you feel like you should be doing it. You feel like there's nothing wrong with you, even when there is. You know, you sort of, you, um, you, you get in your head that you're not as injured as you should be and everyone's relying on you to be there and everyone's angry with you for not being there and then you sort of go back and almost the bubbles burst and everyone's being really nice to you you've got to ease your way back in and it just feels like a lot and that's just with something like that and then it's you know it's getting back on the horse even getting back on the horse can be difficult and you know i'm nine months down the line from that now nearly a year down the line and it, it i'm still not the same person because of it and it was just you know something something relatively minor in the scheme of things so for players i can imagine that that it has that twofold effect it makes you feel like crap when you can't get out there and do it and then when you are back out there doing what you want to be doing doing your job doing all of that you still feel like you can't commit entirely and you still feel like when something happens it, it just triggers all those different thoughts feelings you know it's it's exactly the same with the pulling out you know and that's one of the things that really frustrates me when you talk about someone like Daniel Sturridge is he doesn't always sometimes he does pull out of tackles or sometimes he looks like he's afraid you know what he's got every right to be afraid of his own body because his own body's let him down time and again and he's got every he's got every right to be cautious with his body because he's been through a lot, like you guys say, you know. And I don't think it's fair that people take it so callously when they should be thinking about how they would feel if they're in those sorts of circumstances. Yeah, that I mean that's a really interesting point because obviously you've got the the personal perspective. Um, going back to I, I guess Oxley Chamberlain again, he he and um, Adam Lallana come into the equation as well, and and maybe more so Adam Lallana because Oxley Chamberlain's come in as a player who was kind of ridiculed, and a lot of people were saying he's not good enough, 35 million, you know what have we done here for an injury uh, ridden player? Whereas Adam Lallana, he when he got injured, there was all this talk. He he used to be a really popular figure at Liverpool, but I've seen. A lot recently that people are saying, well, actually, he only did good for a couple of months. He's not actually that good a player. He's always injured. Uh, and, you know, Liverpool have progressed and he's fallen behind the times. And so, uh, as we've said there, from a mental point of view, that that must be really hard. Um, Hamza, from the physical point of view, talk us through that. You know, these are long injury layoffs we're talking about. And I guess, as, as I mentioned there, if you're a player who... You're not only coming back from injury and you've got to slowly build up, but you you know that you've got ground to cover. You know that you've got to catch up with everyone else because the team obviously keeps moving forward in that time you're you're on the sidelines. Definitely, uh, especially when you're talking about Lalana's injury because he was essentially out for a year. Uh, Matip's injury had an operation. Now he's got another one. Also, Chamberlain's injury, which is a year, but also one which won't allow well, which hasn't allowed him allowed him to move for around a month and a half and then only after that you, you start to to build on your physio work uh, and as I mentioned you'll, you'll have one leg where the muscle is wasted away and it looks com- completely thin compared to the other one uh, so then you you've got to work on uh, loads of different things from working on you getting your posture back together to, to just walking again normally uh, then strength training specifically that leg you're going to have uh, hydrotherapy you're going to have physiotherapy as well on top of all your extra work, then, only then, 
do you start to think, all right, let's try and kick a ball. Let's try and get out on the pitch. Uh, let me get a little bit of work first. Then you realize you, your leg isn't responding as it used to. You do little menial tasks where you're just trying to, I don't know, maybe get up the stairs. You think, oh, the power delivery in, in this leg isn't quite there. And you realize you're now going to have to adjust your game. When you go out on the pitch, you see a ball, you go for it as you, as you usually would and your body doesn't respond. These are really, really tough challenges and ones that players may not even realize for a few, for a few weeks or a few months. Uh, I'm sure we, we've had injuries before where you, you thought you've got through it and then you're playing and you try and do something that you used to be able to do very easily. And this could be either a week after you've just come back or maybe a, a month, two months and you realize, Oh, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to have to readjust my play style. I'm going to have to work on get, uh, gaining strength in this area, working on it again, managing it. Sometimes you might feel a little niggle. You think, oh, that's all right. I, that, that, that's normal. I'll just play on. That's probably just a bit of um, residu- residual pain. Turns out it might be uh, another serious thing. And you've got to worry about the the chance of um, a, a re-rupture when it comes to ligaments, uh, as Oxlade Chamberlain will have to manage. Loads of players have had their careers en- ended by these sort of knee injuries. So you've just got to be really careful as a player. And the last thing you want is someone having to go at you. Ah, oh, yeah, you're pulling out of tackles, as Tom said. And then the the, the work that you've got to put in the pitch, it, you're now trying to meet that championship quality which Liverpool want. So you're coming back to training, you realise everyone has levelled up. Uh, we, Liverpool have brought in new players. These players can now fill in your position. You, you're feeling under threat psychologically, even though that's probably not the manager's intentions. They just want a player to come in to fill the job that that you can't do physically. And, and then you've got to try and get that spark of form uh, that you always seem to be in when you get injured. Uh, I remember Lallana had that, that period where he was playing in the midfield three and he was fantastic there. Uh, I, I know he struggled in the front three, but as that the tip of that midfield three, he did really well in that, in that season under Klopp. Oxlade-Chamberlain was magnificent uh, from poof, from around December onwards. He, he was good building up to that, but from December onwards, those City matches, he, he was in a different league of his own. Uh, and now he's got to think about how am I going to get back into the form of my life again? Uh, these are tough challenges, but challenges that with support, uh, as they're going to get at the club, they can get through eventually. But uh, these players are also going to need a lot of time when they do get back on the the Anfield pitch, not just training pitch, the Anfield pitch, when they're playing again, uh, if they don't look at uh, at 100%, if they're only playing 20 minutes, 30 minutes, they then start a game, they're not looking that good, that's all right, that's how it works. Uh, and we've got to be able to manage that and, and support them through it because hopefully they'll be able to do something like uh, Oxford Chamberlain Lalan will be able to do what Sturridge has done. He comes back and he's always at that level. He's always at the level. That's what we've got to hope for, and that's what hopefully we'll see as well. Yeah, I think part of the issue is um, the way that various players are viewed. I mean, you know, we talk. You talked about two very different players. There, you talked about Adam Lallana, but you also talked about someone like Daniel Sturridge. And it's very interesting how these sorts of players are viewed. For example, you know, um, Alex Oxley Chamberlain is one of those players who everyone loves him, and because everyone loves him, and because he was playing really well when he got injured. It's, oh my god, it's such a tragedy that Oxley Chamberlain is injured, it's such a shame, you know, we all feel really sorry for him, we're all gutted for him, which is the, which is the right reaction, which is the, the reaction we should have for when it's someone like Adam Lalana, 
who maybe we don't, who isn't maybe quite as fashionable, who maybe, you know, people see him as taking too many touches, that kind of thing. It's, oh, who cares? It's just Lalana. He's injured all the time anyway. He's made a glass. Wow, he's, you know, it's his own fault, blah, blah, blah. It's just really interesting how different players will get different reactions to what is essentially just shit luck all around. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, well, it's, you know, there are certain things we can do. It's his own fault. You know, it, it doesn't really seem fair that different players get different cracks of the whip because maybe they're more active on social media or because they're in better form when they got injured or just because of the fact that it's one injury rather than two or that, those kinds of things. I think it's very interesting how people will happily start, you know, digging in on certain characters, but other characters are sort of protected, if that kind of makes sense. And it's just interesting because, you know, for example, today we've got the Kevin De Bruyne injury that's come out today. And the vast majority of reactions have been, you know, really people feeling really sorry for him. A lot of people being, you know, it's a real shame to see this player injured for such a long period of time. But could you imagine if that was Adam Lalana who was out injured for four months tomorrow? People like, oh, typical classic Lalana, that kind of stuff. So it's just very, very interesting how we how we view it. And a lot, I think, a lot of that is just down to how people view the person as talent. Whereas if they see someone as if they don't see someone as being good enough, then they just see the injury as entirely different, which I don't think entirely fair i think uh, another key aspect of that is the fact that some players because they're injury prone maybe they get a lot more stick because as fans we get frustrated you know obviously we want to see our players out on the pitch we want Jurgen Klopp to have all the available options and so when you've got a player who maybe is out on on the sidelines five or six times um whereas you've got you know, someone who who's injured for the first time and is, uh, as you said, you know, more active on social media. Someone like James Milner, who is now known for his activity on Twitter for being just a general hilarious individual. Um, and and comparing that with someone like Lilana, someone like Sturridge, who does seem to pick up the injuries a lot. Scott, what what's your thoughts on that and how different players are getting different reactions in terms of their injuries and the way that social media and, and us fans seem to react to it? I think it's a little bit unfair, to be honest, and I agree with everything that everybody's said so far in terms of, you know, different players get different reactions. But I think as football fans, we can all be very guilty of being very fickle in a sense that, you know, as we've said, you know, different players get different reactions when they're injured. Um, put into that bracket as well, along with Adam Lallana, Joel Matic, people when he gets injured, it's like, oh, well, you know, we've, we've got Van Dyke now and, Bit of a problem with if, if Lovren was to get injured too, but you know, people aren't really that fussed. Same with Clavan, like, but I think, it, as I say, football fans are a bit fickle because we want to see our players on the pitch. We want to see them doing well. We want Klopp to have a full squad, but I think we forget that they're people. Um, I mentioned it, um, in another article that I did elsewhere about the, um, the pelters that Carrier's got after the Champions League final. I think fair enough question and criticize his, his performance, if you like, but don't take away from the fact that, you know, he was suffering from a concussion. It's the same with injuries. Like people will, it's okay to say this is frustrating that they're not playing, but to take it, I think sometimes we take it a little bit too far and we end up sort of victimizing and making people scapegoats for something that we've all said is essentially not really their fault. Like if they were to go into a 50-50 tackle and break their leg, like it's, it's not their fault if they, twist funnily and their groin snaps or their hamstring twinges it's not really their fault so for them to then get that level of abuse or just sort of negativity directed towards them especially on social media it, it really it really doesn't help 
um, I think we forget to be supporters at times. The whole, you know, support is in the word supporter. Uh, I think, I think some people are very guilty of just forgetting that we should be supporting players rather than jumping on their back and literally adding to their problems. Um, cause like you say, they can be out for weeks, months, maybe even years with these injuries. Um, you must have seen how difficult it is for, in just talking in football in terms in general, Santi Cazorla, he was out for 400 and something days, I think it was, maybe even, maybe even longer before he was able to play. He was told he might lose his leg and, you know, he, he was one of those players that got a good reaction for a long time because he was a popular player. He was popular amongst the squad, uh, as far as I can, um, tell. But had that, like you said, let's just bring it back to Liverpool. Had that have been someone like, Maybe Lalana or a Sturridge or a Clavan or a Matip or even maybe someone who's not quite as, quite as fondly thought of. Say it was someone like Wijnaldum or something like that. He was a bit injury prone. The reactions for all five or six of those players would have all been so different and the level of abuse that some of them got would have been so much more severe than others. And I just don't think it's fair. I think we, we forget that these people are people and they have feelings and to be criticized like that for doing your day job. I think it, I think we can um, we can all get a bit carried sometimes. I think I mean I think we're all I think you know we're all guilty of it sometimes. I think the Lovren stuff though for me just recently has been just a bit beyond the pale. I think the narrative of the way that the way that this latest Lovren injury has been treated has just been too far for me. I mean I just think we were all so ready. I mean so much of social media was so ready to believe that Lovren had just basically lied to the club, which is complete and utter dog shit. Which is just. Uh, completely not true and the fact that so many people were so quick to believe it and abuse him for it just for me was a bit too much um but Hamza, i'd be very curious to get your thoughts on this issue yeah i, I agree with you completely uh but one thing i find really strange is that i think in some way the role the roles are reversed uh midway through last season lalana's injuries problems weren't that much of a concern in my eyes at least it was storage that was the, the main recipient of the the anger and, and, and even lovren then um, but now it seems now that now that Sturridge is on uh, on side with with the fans again, he's scoring goals, people are happy with him, and uh, he's had that consistent group of people behind him, uh, of which I think we can all count ourselves uh, uh, as part of who have supported him and said that this guy is worth waiting for, he will come through eventually, because uh, he's had that there. Eventually, people ha- have sort of coalesced together, and now Sturridge is uh, the fan favourite again. Uh, people are willing to give him a chance, uh, and it's because we do have cover as well uh, up front. Uh, so people might be okay if 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 he uh, if he misses a week every now and then because we we do still have some forwards that can fill in, uh, and usually our front line is scoring as well. But if I take you back to midway through last season, Lallana's injury wasn't that much of a big deal uh, because we had Coutinho, uh, because Oxford Chamberlain came in and was doing so so well. Uh, but now though, as we got to the summer and people started realizing, oh, Jesus, Lalana started one league game last season. Uh, the, the anger has suddenly been directed to, towards him. Uh, and I think he doesn't quite have that, that religious following that we've afforded to Sturridge. Uh, uh, and that's, that, that's no fault of his. Um, but we know that Klopp likes him and Klopp's gonna like him for a good reason. Uh, he did a good job in that midfield role. I, th- I think with support, eventually we can we can, uh, 
we we can get the fans back on side with him. Uh, but it'll be it'll be strange to see how that works. So I, I just feel that the dynamic has shifted with regard to those players uh, in specific over the past year. One final question then, just to ping to to all of you, I guess. Um, at the end of your article, Hamza, you touch on the fact that there's a lot of expectation and um, you know pressure on these players when they return from injury, which is maybe an aspect we haven't quite covered yet. We talked about you know, the mental aspect of them getting injured, them then coming back as individuals and, and not being able to do things necessarily that they could do before or it taking a little bit of time. But actually, as fans as well, we're, we're quite impatient. We assume that once once a player is back and is back in training, that they're just back, they can do anything. And you, you've got a really good example here because you said how vested we were into Sadio Mane once he came back from the African Cup of Nations. Um, bear in mind that, you know, he, he's just gone out and he's participated in a tournament, expelled a lot of energy in that. And yet Liverpool fans were coming back thinking, right, Sadio Mane, he's got to hit, hit the ground running again for us. So, you know, that, that burden and that pressure, that's another aspect that these players have to deal with. Um, Scott Hamza, your thoughts on that? Uh, very much so. Uh, I, I think it's unfair. Um, why should a player just because they are a good player. Be expected to to perform at uh, a level that's exep- exceptional for them, just because they've come back from an injury. We we have to be reasonable with with, with these players. Uh, we see players like Aguero and the Daniel Sturridge do it, and suddenly we expect that every other player can do it as well. That's not how it works. Uh, Sturridge and Aguero are exceptional talents. Uh, Mane is as well. Salah is as well, and we're very lucky to have these players. But if they were to get injured uh, and they didn't start scoring again, people get angry with them. Even if they're doing the right things, they could be getting in the right areas, just missing chances. And people are, ah, they, they, these players aren't cutting it. What's the problem? Uh, these injuries have ruined a player. And it, it's just not fair on them. We've got to be fair with our players. Uh, and I think that's ba- that's the main point of, of this article, trying to be reasonable uh, and take things into perspective when it comes to looking at the squad, looking at players. Uh, if a player's got to move on, OK, we've, we're going to be reasonable about it. But we've got to be fair uh, as possible uh, and expecting players to do things that are just unreasonable is silly. The, the only outcome in these sort of situations is that the fans are going to get annoyed. Pressure is going to build on the player. Pressure is going to build on the manager. And who suffers at the end of this? Uh, the player and the club in general, because you've got pressure on them. They're struggling. Uh, the, the media then jumps in on it as well. It, it's a sort of cycle that you want to cut out because it's not good for us and it'll only help opponents, really. Uh, so th- there's that dimension to it as well. Just try and be as fair as possible when it comes to this. Uh, I know football is tribalistic and it, it can get very tense at times, and it's, it is super frustrating to see a player injured, but it's always more frustrating for the player, and it's always more frustrating for the manager than it ever could be for us as an individual. Scott, a final word on this? Anything you have to add to that? I think Hamza summed it up quite well there, really. I mean, you know, we, we, we can be tribalistic, and we kind of forget that, you know, we, we, we should be supporting these players, but I mean, you know, we've got to Patience is a virtue, as they always say, and you can't rush these players back, as in Tom's situation, what he was saying about his accident, that I'm sure when he did go back to work, I'm sure that the bosses weren't like, all oh, right, you know, 
all of this stuff that you were doing at an exceptional level before, you need to be doing that from day one. Otherwise, you know, we're going to start asking questions of you and giving you a bit of grief. You know, it, it, you wouldn't expect that in your day to day job. And this is a footballer's day to day job. So it shouldn't be expected of them. So I think patience is a big lesson that a lot of football fans, not just Liverpool fans, just everybody in general. Patience is something that I think comes sort of scarcely at a lot of uh, large periods of time. I think it's a lesson that we could all do with uh, perhaps learning a little bit of. OK, um, we'll take a break there then. And we'll be back in a second to talk about Scott's article. Hi, Anne. How are you? Um, is everything OK? Yeah, absolutely, Gags. Everything is fine. But you know what? I'm hearing you've got a special offer for Anfield Index Pro. Is that so? Yes, absolutely. And we've got your weekly show, Moby on the Spot, the popular stat show, Under Pressure. Post-match Raw is now back and loads of other shows available at our lowest price ever. Go on then, Gags. How cheap is that? Get this, mate. Get this. It's absolutely free for seven days and then only $39.99 for a whole year. New users can now sign up and access everything at AmphilIndexPro.com. I have to say, Gax, that is incredible news. i got to go. Where are you going? Well, to be fair, I need to go and tell Rushy about this offer. <laughs> Thanks. Whilst you're there, please let Rushy know that we accept all major credits and debit cards via the website. And not only that, we've now added PayPal too. And if you want an app option, then via iOS, you can purchase AI Pro through an in-app purchase. Jan? Jan? Right, so we'll move on to Scott's article then, which, again, as I said, it's an injury special um, this week. So we've got Scott, who's also talked about injuries. Talk us through your article. You've obviously made a different approach. Hamza's was a lot more um, about the psychological aspect of injuries. Do you want to talk us through your piece? Yeah, sure. I guess my piece is kind of the flip side of the coin of Hamza's, really. Hamza speaks about us needing to be patient with our players and not get on their backs too much. But then I've sort of discussed how long that patience should last, really, in a footballing sense, at least. I mean, we've got a, a fair few players in the squad that have had long injury layoffs. You've got Nalani, you've got Sturridge, you've got Matip, you've got Clavan uh, as four prime examples. And there must come a point where the player realises it, the manager realises it, and it's how long do I keep persisting with you before you get injury after injury after injury I get another couple of niggles or people need a rest over busy periods like Christmas and my squad is suddenly threadbare and I've only got a couple of youth team players to pick on we all want to see the club go forward we want to see us challenging for trophies we want to see us performing at our highest level week in week out and so when we can't rely on our full squad of, of, of first choice players if you like it becomes a little bit of a dilemma as to how to balance that patience and how to balance that alongside wanting to succeed. Because at the end of the day, that's what the football club's about. That's what any fan wants to see. They want to see success. Of course, we wish our players well. And of course, we've got their best interests at heart. But it's how long we sort of manage our support alongside wanting to succeed before not being as brutal as you're made a glass, mate, off you go, on your bike, here's your final paycheck. As just, you know, sort of managing their expectations as well and saying, you know, we, unfortunately, your injury record, unless you can prove to me that you're fit in the next six months, we're going to have to start looking at alternatives because we need 
a fully fit squad at all times. And I think that's where Liverpool are now with, especially if I think it's a big, big season for Daniel Sturridge. I think if he can stay fit and he can keep providing Klopp with a good option from the bench, which I think is where he can play the majority of his football from, he might get a few starts here and there when Klopp decides to rest players in cup games and after Champions League games, I think he'll get played. Um, but I think it's a huge season. I think I'd, I'm surprised that Klopp has persisted with Sturridge as long as he has. I'm glad that he has because I'm a big, big fan of Daniel Sturridge, as I'm sure many other people are. Um, but I'm surprised that Klopp has persisted with him for as long as he has because he's had so many injury layoffs. The same with, well, it's a little bit different with Lalana because his injury problems don't quite stretch far as back. But Lalana's age plays against him because he's 30 now. He's, you know, perhaps entering the last couple of years of his career. And, that will start to take a toll on him as well. So it's how, you know, we look at those things and think, or oh, how are we going to manage this without being so harsh as to just send people packing, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very good article. And the key place to start, um, at least from my point of view, is the centre-backs, because you've mentioned Joel Matip there. Um, it's a slight tangent, but Ragnar Klavan is obviously linked with a move um, now, may, maybe on loan, maybe permanently. Um, but because of that injury to Matip, that injury to Lovren, which we still don't know really how serious it is, that's actually left us quite uh, short at the back. We saw Joe Gomez play alongside Van Dijk against West Ham. That's probably going to be the same case for the next few games until someone like Lovren or Matip is able to to come back into into the frame. Um, but is that not may, maybe the perfect example of how Liverpool are a little bit too persistent with injury prone injury prone players? Of course, uh, Dejan Lovren, he's not that injury prone. I don't have his injury record to hand. I'm sure Hamza or Tom is probably frantically looking it up right now. Um, but, you know, just when you're talking about how Liverpool are challenging for trophies, to not have maybe four four or five options isn't always the best thing. And, and maybe centre-back shows that, Scott. Yeah, I, I agree. And this is where the problem lies. Um, you can't You can't leave yourself... You can't leave yourself short. And I think the issue with, especially with Joel Matty, is that he's had, I think he's been at Liverpool, this is his third season at Liverpool now, I think, third, maybe fourth, um, correct me if I'm wrong. But in that time, he's had quite a few significant problems. I mean, he's had an operation, I think, on a thigh problem. Uh, it's kept him out for large periods of time. And you would think that behind... Van Dijk is obviously the first choice centre-back and then it's perhaps a scrap for number two deputy between Lovren and Gomez at the moment, probably up for Lovren just because of his experience um, despite his tendency for a bit of a nightmare moment um, but then after that you've got Joe Gomez who, don't get me wrong, is looking good played well against West Ham but he's still only young, he's still got a lot to learn and then we've got Matip and Clavan and these injuries that Matty keeps getting, for me, they pose a bit of a problem. And I guess it kind of stems back to the point that Tom was making uh, when we were discussing Hamza's piece in the fact that Matty, he's, he's been fairly steady since he came in from Schalke and he was a free transfer, so we can't really grumble too much. But he's hardly been, in my eyes, the defender that everybody thought he was going to be. We kind of thought he was going to be perhaps not quite as good, but of a similar ilk as, as Van Dijk. And he hasn't quite been that. So. Maybe that plays into him being looked on so negatively when you look at his injuries. But in terms of just having the options available for Klopp and being able to go forward and 
perform consistently week in, week out across four competitions at the start of the season, it does pose a real, real headache because we don't want to be left in that situation where you've only got your academy uh, prospects left to pick because everybody else is injured or needs a rest or has picked up a tiny little niggle and they need to be ready for the big game at the weekend. So this is what I mean. I mean, I don't envy managers at all because of the stress levels. But this is one of the main things that I think I can never be a football manager because imagine having to go into that office or call John Matthew Finn and yeah, say coming up to the summer window or January and if they've had a few inquiries, say, look, Joel, we're going to listen because we, we can't rely on you to be fit. Um, I think it's really difficult and I think you have to take into account performances alongside injury record. And for me, if Matty stays, he needs to prove that he's fit. If not, we need to sign another centre-back next summer. I think we need to do that anyway. Um, but if Clavan leaves as well, then I think... We, we're going we're to have to make big moves for two new centre-backs at the very least, January and uh, summer. So it's it's very difficult. It's about balancing expectations. It's about balancing the fans' expectations. It's about balancing what the player can physically achieve after all of these injuries like we spoke about. I wrote an article, again, for, again elsewhere, about Oxford Chamberlain's knee injury, and I spoke to a knee consultant, and he said, you know, after these operations, the the knee might not ever feel normal for Oxlade Chamberlain again. Mm. So it's going to be weird. It's going to be strange for him. And the same goes for any injury. If you have an operation, nine times out of ten, it will always feel slightly different afterwards. You're never going to get that full um, capability back in what affected area it is because at the end of the day, you've had to have it altered. It's not natural anymore. So it's it's all really difficult and balancing that expectation and everything else. I I don't envy Klopp in that sense at all. But like I say, we all want to see Liverpool achieve. So if the tough decision has to be made, then it has to be made. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, isn't it? I have just briefly looked up. Um, Joel Matip sustains. Thir- I think he's missed thirty three games, if I'm reading this correctly, with four different types of injuries. Um, Dejan Lovren has only missed twenty one games since joining. But he's had six different type of injuries. So I'm not sure if you would particularly class them as injury prone players. But I think the the point being made is just that at Liverpool's current stage, to have Joe Gomez and, and Virgil van Dijk really is the only two options available, apart from Phillips, who is obviously uh, quite young and hasn't featured in the Premier League yet. Um, to, to have those as your options when you're trying to, to really challenge for the Premier League title isn't great. And so it, it maybe reinforces this idea. It, it is Klopp being a little bit too, you know, uh, we've spoken in previous podcasts about his loyalty. Is it maybe being a little bit too much of a nice guy? But I'm not sure. I'm, I'm pretty much split on this. I, I can see both sides. I can see this idea of, of injuries being a problem. And we do have quite a few injury prone players, which we've, spoken about before but Hamza what's your take on this do you think that Liverpool are persisting with injury prone players or do you think it's just a case of we've got one or two and the other ones it's just a case of bad timing they all seem to get injured pretty much simultaneously um I think uh, some of the problem is that the injury prone players that we do have are, are high quality uh and and because of that we know if we are to let them go and they go to another Premier League club, for example, and they stay fit, they'll excel and they'll be doing that at our expense. And we'll probably sell them on the cheap as well. Uh, the qualities that they offer us, uh, Sturridge and Lallana in particular, uh, Oxford Chamberlain also has a, 
poor injury record at Arsenal, uh, and, and did rather well until his injury, uh, back in around March time. Uh, the problem is that we can see the difference, um, we can see the difference that they make because they're so good. Uh, with Matip, I, I'm still not sure how good of a centre back he is, but I can tell that he is, uh, around about that Lovren level. Uh, and Lovren at his best is probably better. Uh, actually Lovren at his best is better. I think that's probably fair to say. Uh, but I don't know if I've seen Matip at his best. And if Klopp has during, uh, during training, uh, maybe that's why he decides to persist with him because he thinks that he can be a good option. And the thing is with Matip as well, we get him for free. There's no real risk there unless we're on high wages. So it's tough really. And I think, uh, as you, you two just mentioned, being, being a manager and having to make the decision is also tough as, as well. And some of it's to do with timing, but we've also got to appreciate the last season was pretty average in terms of injuries. We we're lucky. Our front three didn't really get injured, considering how little cover he had for them. Uh, we were lucky. Uh, we had three midfielders to start the final that were starting 11 quality. Um, because Coutinho obviously left. Also, Chamberlain had an injury. Uh, and, and Ch- Chan wasn't fully fit either. But that, that's about normal to, to have a few injuries over the season to your midfield. So you should be able to cope with that. Uh, it's just, I think we've struggled with having a small, we've had a big squad first and with a large wage bill and we've had to cut that down, uh, and cut down our spending to that of a team that was, uh, that was outside the top four as we were. Then we can now, we can now start to increase our spending and get a bigger squad, which should be able to cope with these, these injuries. But the thing was, we didn't have that resource, those resources available to have high quality players in reserve because we didn't have the funds at the time because we were performing poorly. Uh, and I think that, that, that's been part of Klopp's job to, to rejiggle that as well as getting those performances on the pitch. I think in, in that vein, he has done well, but it, it's tough to try and build a squad, uh, to be able to challenge on all these fronts, uh, because it, it, it's super expensive. The only team right now that has that squad to be able to challenge on all four, uh, fronts is Manchester City. And look how big their squad is. Not many of the teams in the league have that. I think we'll see other teams in the league struggle with injuries as well. Uh, this is just a strain of the game, and uh, we there's not much you can do with these players that that are injury prone, especially when they have high quality. If, if they aren't that good, it's okay to move them on, but you've also got to think about replacements too. It, it's really really tough. It's it's a lot harder than uh, than it, it first seems when you just see a player that's injured. You think, oh, okay, move them on, bring a new player in. Not that simple, and that's a problem really. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're completely right in that if a player gets injured, you, you shouldn't just bin them off because injuries are part and parcel of the game. Every club suffers them. It's, it just so happens maybe that Liverpool don't have the strength in depth that sends back that the other Premier League teams do. But Tom, I'm curious to hear your opinion here because are, are Liverpool, you know, do, do they carry a lot of injury prone players or, you know, as I've said to Hamza, is it a case of just actually, we, it's just part and parcel of the game and and a lot of our players at the moment are suffering from the injuries, meaning Joe Gomez is at centre back. Um and therefore we've just got to sort of ride the wave, they'll come back and all will be fine again. I think it's a bit of both, if I'm being honest. I think we do have if you look at our centre back position, we've got 
a few players who I wouldn't necessarily say they're injury prone, but they do pick up injuries. That is the way things are. I think with someone like Lovren, I think with the Lovren thing, it's starting to make a lot of sense because we've seen a lot of sort of illness, mysterious sort of stomach injury niggles that's made him miss a game. And it seems like this has been a... I mean, Klopp's basically admitted that the thing has been affecting him at the moment has basically been affecting him for about a year. So it would make it makes a lot of sense from Lovren's perspective as to why he doesn't... But with Lovren, he doesn't, he doesn't tend to pick up injuries. He just tends to sort of miss games, if that makes sense. It's not quite the same thing. He doesn't tend to pick up like a, a knock and go out for two to three weeks. He just tends to occasionally miss a game, which I think is something slightly different, which is really interesting. Then you've got Matip, who... Before he came to Liverpool, wasn't really injury prone at all. In his first season, missed a couple of weeks in January, and that's about it. And then missed a couple of games earlier on in the season, last season, and then picked up that injury sort of March time, and now suddenly has developed a reputation for being injury prone, when actually his injury record over the last few years is not horrendous at all. So it is interesting how these sorts of narratives develop quite quickly. But I do think it, it is a case of timing, because if you look, I mean... Look, you can you can cut the mints however it wants, but the bottom line is we very nearly had Nat Phillips starting at centre back for us in a Premier League game, and that that means there's something wrong there in that centre back department. Um, and I think that means that something does have to change there. But ultimately, I think we talk about how we were lucky about X, or lucky about Y. You do make your own luck in many respects, and this is something that Brundish was hitting really hard because in in that 16-17 season where we were saying, you know, if we'd had a bit more luck in January and a bit more luck with injuries, we would have won the league and Chelsea won the league whilst being really lucky with injuries. Whereas, as Brundish said at the time, Chelsea had the average amount of injuries you'd expect for a player, for a team with their squad, because the players they've got don't tend to get injured. Whereas we had the sort of average number of players we would, injuries we would expect to get with the team with our squad, in that we had injury playing players and Chelsea didn't. So this is, I think, it's certainly a factor that we have to start taking into account, especially when we are looking at large wage bills. But ultimately, I think it's, it is a tough one because it's like Ham says, you know, we've got quality individuals, whether or not we can. I hate the phrase whether we can rely on them because it just it's, it's so harsh on them. But whether or not those are players that we're going to be able to regularly call upon is a different question. And that's part of the issue here. Um, but I do think it, it doesn't help when you have, say, for example, three injuries in the squad and they're all in the same position, which is basically where we're at, at the moment. The vast majority of our squad is fully fit. It's just that our injuries happen to be concentrated in, in one area, which is centre-back. So it is frustrating to basically look at the squad and go, well, we've got, other than Ox, we've got a fully fit midfield, we've got a fully fit front three, our full-backs are absolutely fine, we've got four goalkeepers to choose from, and yet we've somehow managed to go bare-bones to centre-back. So, and that's just that's just the way it is sometimes. <laughs> it's the way it is. You know, last season we were a bit thin on the ground at times as well, but I do think something needs to change, and I do think rather than, Rather than selling a centre-back who I think is injury-prone, we need to be looking at our centre-backs in terms of quality and saying, all right, which centre-back can we be upgrading? Because ultimately, we do need to bring someone in who is going to be playing 40 games a season in that position. And if that means that you have to get rid of someone who isn't as good, and then the injury record is also a factor, I don't think that should be the primary factor in selling a player, but you have to look at where you can improve the squad. And if that means that a player who you can't, get on the pitch reliably has to be made way and that's the way it is yeah I think there's some very good points in there and it also comes back to how different players are in different situations and Scott you you point this out in the article that Adam Lallana for example is in a somewhat different situation um, Liverpool's front line obviously has a lot more depth and because as Tom said there 
a lot of our other injuries are concentrated at centre back where we've got two or three players who are out at the same period of time, therefore really thinning the options. Whereas Lalana being out, actually, uh, I, I really think Lalana is a great footballer. So I'm not saying we don't care that he's gone. Got Mohamed Sally, got Firmino. You've got enough players there to be able to, to deal with Adam Lalana not being there. And obviously now the, the midfield depth means that Lalana probably wouldn't get in that starting 11 anyway. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to see the different situations that the players have because you, you later go on to say that, uh, Lalana not staying fit actually affects the rotation. So do you want to delve more into that and sort of your piece on Adam Lalana and how his situation is slightly different? Yeah, I mean, Lalana's a tricky one as we've already discussed for, for a number of reasons, but I mean, his situation is a little different, like you say, to Matty or Clavan, because we've got perhaps one or two more uh, bodies in in the in the forward line, and a few more players who can be a bit more versatile. Especially when you consider if we had Ox as well, there's another player who can play in that role, um, and a number of roles in midfield too, which is where Lalana operates. And I mean, with with an injury like that, I guess people see him as almost a little bit surplus to requirements at the moment. I mean, we've got Firmino Salamane always doing the business, always staying fit. But like Tom said, we were very lucky last season that none of those got injured for a few weeks. Um, Had they been injured and then we had to think, oh, perhaps we need to call on somebody else and Lalana was injured, then we think, oh, geez, this really is, this is a problem now. We're, We're struggling to to put a, a body in the picture. And that's why I think Oxlade-Chamberlain was signed because of his versatility. And that's definitely why Shakiri was brought in this summer for that extra strength and depth in those positions. But I mean, his, his situation, like I said, I feel like he, some fans think he's a little bit surplus to requirements at the moment because we've got Sturridge back. We've got the front three firing. We've got the midfield options that we have. We've got Shakiri as well. And I think people is kind of just, Lalana seems like he's been injured forever, uh, in all honesty. Like I say, in football, in terms of three years is a long time when we talk about storage. And in reality, it's not that much of a long time. But this is why Lalana's injury layoff seems like forever. It's been perhaps 18 months calendar time, uh, maybe a little bit longer. But it seems like forever. Because you're watching the team week in, week out. When you're not seeing him, you, you do almost forget that he's there. Um, so... I think he's really got an issue to force in terms of coming back into the team. Whether whether you would class him as injury prone, I think that's just the last couple of like let's say the last period in time when he's picked up these quite serious injuries. Um, so I, I think that's a little bit perhaps harsh to call him injury prone. But like I say, these these players and they're all competing for these these spaces as well. It's really difficult, and we've, we've touched on it again, how the rotation system is going to work when we're a body down remains to be seen. I mean, you know, who knows when Lallana is going to come back and how fit he's going to be, how sharp he's going to be when that time is. But, you know, if he is out and we've got, say, Chamberlain out and perhaps Barne or whatever picks up a little niggle, then you start to think, oh, well, we need to give Salah a rest because we've got a Champions League game coming up and Firmino has been playing a lot recently and he looks a little bit leggy. Maybe he could do with sitting out against Watford away or something like that. That's when I think it starts to become a bit of a problem when you're looking at players and not perhaps so much, oh, you've got an injury out the door you go. 
but if those injuries tend to become more um, constant and they constantly picking up niggles like Daniel Sturridge was not so long back, that's when you start to think, is is it worth me thinking? If you get fully fit, you're going to be an absolute weapon up front. But if you, what happens if they don't? Then you're left short and you've got Dom Solanke or Rian Brewster to stick on off the bench. And it's not the same as having Daniel Sturridge or Adam Alana and Jordan Shakiri. It's, it's no offence to, to Brewster and Solanke because I think they're really good prospects, but they're not proven prospects. And I think that's where the issue with the rotation comes in, especially around Christmas, especially with the fans almost demanding a good run in Europe again after last season. And it's like we said so many times now, being a manager, I can barely hack it on football manager. So what it's like in real life, I can't even, I can't even begin to imagine. <laughs> I, I guess the, the next question, Hamza, I'll pose it to you and, and Tom, feel free to come in. Um, I guess what what's the solution then? Because if we're saying that Liverpool in some situations are a bit light on the ground, if we we get these injuries, which as we've said are part and parcel of the game, what do what do Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool do? Because if they go out and recruit people, if they get new players in, those have to be players who are content with not playing very many games, not getting very many minutes, because they they could be option three, they could be option four. So it's it's really sort of you're caught between a rock and a hard place. You need players maybe to come in if we are very light on the ground, but they need to be players who are content with that. So is it a case of actually that's the chance for the youngsters? Or again, are we, are we saying that maybe this isn't actually that big an issue for Liverpool? Do what they've done in this window, which is just buy better players that don't get injured very much. We, we, yeah, but we're, <laughs> right. we, we're still having this conversation right now. So we've said for the we attack, are. maybe it's le- less obvious, but for the centre-back issue, uh, no one could have predicted this situation where Lovan comes back for, from the World Cup injury where we've got um, Matip out. I think Clavan is out as well or picked up a knock, maybe not, not a serious one with that. But if Clavan goes, again, that's not that many options. So is it a case of actually... Maybe Klopp should either let the youngsters in, which he seems to sort of be doing with Phillips a little bit, or is it a case of go out and get a centre back or whatever position it may be, who is more content with just playing that bit part role? Just buy a centre back who's better than Lovren and Matip. That's the, that the, that's exactly what we did in the midfield. We solved the injury, we solved the problem in our midfield by just buying two elite players. We sold to an, we bought, we can do what we did up front, which is buy someone like Shakiri who knows they're gonna get the chance to fight their way into the side, but will struggle to get loads of minutes. But when we've got an area like centre back, just buy a player who's really, really good, because we know we can do it now, because we've got the money now, we've got the pull now to go out and buy a player who doesn't have a good, doesn't have a bad injury record, and is really, really good, basically. That's, that for me is the, that for me is the optimal solution. You just make your players like your Lovrens and your Matips, Make them, um, make them your first choice, make them your first choice rotation option. Then you can rotate them in whenever you want, but then you've also got a centre back who's at least as good as them, if not better, that you can rely on, and that isn't going to be injured very often. I don't think, you know, I think that's how we solve the midfield issue. We, we make, we make players like Henderson who are really good but have injury worries, basically, at, at the best, as good as the players that we're bringing in. So someone like Fabinho, we know we can rotate him in Henderson and there won't be a drop off in quality. Um, from where we were last season, we can do the same thing with someone like Navi Keita, um, in terms of replacing someone like Adam Lallana. And then in attack, we've got someone like Jordan Shakiri as well. So we've got options that we can just rotate in without declining the quality. That's what we need to be doing. But the type of players we need to be buying 
also need to not have injury issues. It's also unfair, though, when you do that, though. Uh, look at how Lovren played after that Spurs game. He was fantastic uh, over that second half of the season. He was really, really good at the World Cup. It's not fair to to your centre-back to say, we're now bringing another player just because we don't think you'll last a season. That's not my, what my argument is there, because I'm not arguing we do that because we don't rely on the players. I'm saying we pick an area where we can say there's one or two players that we can't necessarily and just buy a world-class player because uh, I, I think Lovren's had a really good back half of the season but I don't think Lovren is better than someone like uh, Diego, uh, like Godin or Varane or uh, obviously those aren't the sort of players we're talking about it's someone like Delay for example uh, or De Vries, someone like that just you know there, there is or Koulibaly there's quality centre-backs out there that are available that we can get in and I mean don't get me wrong as you say I think it maybe is unfair on Lovren given how good he was for most of the season but Lovren has not consistently proven himself to be a world-class player and the fact that when he told, said he was one of the best defenders in the league, everyone laughed in his face. Just kind of says it all, really, doesn't it? But I think that's part of the culture that, that Klopp is trying to cultivate. That you earn your place, and if you're performing well enough, well, I'm going to stick by you. And it, it is fair to say that the performances that Lovren put in over the second half of last season and at the World Cup uh, are good enough that any reasonable manager should stand by them and say, yeah, I've got my man here. I want to back you. I want to give you my confidence. It, it's definitely not fair... And not good for the squad if you bring in a player that uh, to replace or displace a player that's played so well. What's that going to say to to other players that are playing well? Your place isn't safe. That's not the sort of message you want to hear from your manager. Uh, you, we knew uh, that we needed a goalkeeper. That was obvious. But Lovren has done exceptionally well. Okay, I, I agree. He's not top ten defenders in the world, uh, but he is put in a performance over the second half of the last season that was top ten in the world. Uh, over that, that half of the season and at the World Cup. And I don't think we should be treating a player like that. And then you've got to think about if you bring a player in that will be starting alongside Van Dyke, you've got the cost of that, but also the cost of having Matip as your fourth choice centre back. That's not the sort of wages you should be paying for your fourth choice centre back. Then you've got to move him on. In which case, you'd bring in a new player, uh, and letting one go, uh, which means that you've probably got to fill up that place again with another player, uh, in, in terms of minutes. Uh, and that will probably be a, a cheaper player as well. So th- there's a trade-off here, not just with regard to the funds available, but also to the mentality that you're trying to foster with the squad. You've got to be fair to the players. We mentioned it before. I, I don't think it- it's right if a player plays really, really well and then you displace them. Uh, if you bring in competition, that's fair. But... Uh, I don't see this being the right way to deal with this particular issue at this moment in time. Um, maybe a, a young, promising centre-back, an 18-, 19-year-old centre-back. I know this this is just an example. We've already got Gomez, so I don't think we should do that. But maybe that would be something to do, or instead bring in another older centre-back, not, not one that's going to uh, upset the harmony within the squad and uh, cause us a a bit of tension where we don't really need it. Lovren and Van Dijk are trying to build a partnership. They look solid. Uh, I think we should let them do that. And if we need minutes, try and blood in one of the youngsters. Uh, and, and if we can, keep, keep hold of Clavin, uh, because I don't think the squad is ready to let him go. Should, should we let him go? I guess the, the final question before we wrap up then, Scott, I'll pose it to you as it's your article. Um, in a little segment at the bottom, you talk about maybe players who are too injury prone for your liking, whereas Lolani, you, you would let him build 
and, and see how he progresses and, and goes in terms of injuries. So for you, who are the players you perhaps identify as being too injury prone and ones you would would rather Liverpool either see off or get in someone to deal with the fact that they're injury prone? Um, even though we've just said his injury record is not that bad, I think it's Matic for me. Um, that's just a personal thing as well because from what I've seen of him, I think he is, as I think it was Hamza said earlier, I think he is a worse version of Dejan Lovren. I don't think he's as good. He's He looks clumsy, uh, but that's a different kettle of fish. Like Since he has been at Liverpool, he has picked up one or two, maybe even three or four really quite niggly injuries that either keep him out for a while or he comes back and he's, then he's out again or he's phased in and then he's out again. And it's really frustrating to see because we can't get a rhythm, we can't get a partnership. I just think, to be perfectly honest, when Tom was saying the answer to the question is to just buy a world-class centre-back and have like Matip as your backup, what happens if your world-class centre-back gets injured and then Matip's injured as well? Like that's, that's where the, that's where the issue lies. And I know, in this, this is this is why it's so t- difficult because who who knows when a player is going to be injured? Absolutely nobody. Klopp's not sitting there at his desk with a crystal ball, like predicting how fit players are going to be. Like if if every manager had one of those, like football would be impossible. Um, so it's just, for me, I just think Matip. I think I, I'd let him go potentially not now, but. Maybe end of the season or in January when we've got time to recruit somebody else. Um, I think Clavan will go at some point this season anyway, regardless of his injury record, just because I think he's, he's, he's getting old. I think he's just over 30 now. He's not getting the game time that he wants for this stage in his career. So I think he'll be gone. So I think we're going to have to recruit centre backs anyway. Um, so I think weighing everything up, I get rid of those two. Lalana, I think is a bit different just because. His serious injury layoffs have only sort of happened fairly recently within the last season and a half. I think, you know, we've got to give him this season to see if he can prove it and build it back up. If he, you know, should he come back, play a few games, get injured again for about two months and keep doing that this season? I think Klopp may well look at that as a, as a, as a, an area of concern and he may well try and upgrade on, on Lallana. You know, there's always the rumours around Christian Pulisic that kind of play. Obviously, there was an Abdul Fakir over summer that did and didn't happen. Um, but that's said about that the better. But, you know, it's, it's really tricky. Sturridge, I think, as well. I think Lallana's got this season and I think Sturridge has got this season because Sturridge's injury problems have been so long, long-winded and they've been ongoing for such a long time. There's such a narrative behind it. I think he, I think you know if he's to keep picking up these niggly injuries this year, I think Klopp will let him go next year. Uh, factor into that, I think he's on quite a lot of money too because of you know how important he was to Liverpool in his first couple of seasons. And don't get me wrong, I'd love to see Sturridge doing that again because he was sensational. He was one of the best players in the world that season. He was up there with Suarez. He was on that level, and he can get to that level again. It's just whether he can stay fit. I don't even think it's the fact that he's scared to put in a half yard. I think he was just rushing himself back and because there was that expectation on him to be as good as he was, he was perhaps forcing himself to come back when he wasn't quite ready. I know there was talk of him perhaps not playing for the pain barrier enough, but it looked to me like he was just kind of thinking, I know I'm hurting, but I've got to play here, otherwise I'm going to lose my place. So he sort of just grinned and bared it. I think, you know, after the season, if he can't prove that his fitness is going to be there, I think I think Klopp will get rid of him as well. Um 
so you know there could be wholesale changes but I could be completely and utterly wrong and it's like I said I've got nothing against any of these players they've all been professionals and model professionals for the club and they always give it their all and they've, they've all each individually given us some some good and bad memories um, as every footballer does so no matter what happens I wish them well and I you know in an ideal world I wish them well at Liverpool it's just whether those things work out for them I guess which in the end of the day nobody can predict all right, we'll uh, wrap up there. So we'll go to plugs. Hamza, I'll start with you. Have you got anything coming out um, in, in the next few days or weeks, or have you got any new pieces already out on the site? Uh, well, uh, tactical breakdowns are back for league and Champions League matches. So uh, the first one uh, against West Ham just got up on the site, uh, and I was on the um, Tactics Weekly pod with uh, Rhodesy, uh for AI Pro. Uh, yesterday as well, so that's up as well. So, uh, if you've got a subscription, get listened to that. If not, try the trial and have a listen to that too, I guess. Great stuff. And Scott, how about you? I've got, uh, there I mentioned his name is like Voldemort. I'm actually working on a piece on why we still can't forget Roy Hodgson and forgive him rather, sorry, rather than forget both coming in, in two, especially because, you know, we're playing Crystal Palace on Monday. Just looking back on his, doomed tenure as Liverpool boss and just how utterly catastrophic it was which is basically why whenever you mention his name to a Liverpool fan you're probably going to get a bit of a tirade directed in your die, you know in your face really because kind of ripped the heart out of the club a little bit um but yeah I've got that going up this week um always sort of bustling around on Twitter um just either chatting rubbish or getting involved or as I did today winding up an Everton fan which is always fun um yeah, so feel free to join in with that. Then there'll be just uh, the weekly stuff coming out as usual. And last but not least, Tom, anything from you? I know, obviously, your uh, AI Pro stuff is going well. So um, any other stuff? Yeah, just a load of articles. Um, keep on. I've The uh, Key Stats. Key Stats is an article that I do after every uh, game. It's uh, basically where I look at the, the sort of the, the big moments from the match and sort of look at some of the interesting numbers that fall out of that, if that's your sort of cup of tea um and i've also got an article coming out in the next few days that will be about expectations and about how now there's a sort of there's a consensus that liverpool are the second best team in the premier league and we're expected to be challenging for title this year and how that sort of the way that the outside is looking at the club is very very different to how it's looked in previous years and what that's going to mean for sort of Klopp looking forward all sounds really good um so definitely keep an eye out for that um as for me i've got a piece out at the moment on nabby cater uh, the one and only, how he's showing why he was worth the wait and this steadfast loyalty that, that Klopp has in, in certain players like him and like Van Dyke in that he's waiting to recruit them because he knows they're gonna, gonna be worth it and, and that's sort of paying dividends and, and hopefully continues after a really good performance against West Ham. Um, otherwise at non-Liverpool based, I'm, I'm taking over, um, a, a media role at a local Birmingham, um, team, the Sully Holt ladies team. So, I'll be doing all their sort of uh, match interviews pre and post match and, and things like that. So if you're a fan of women's football, check that out and, and help me out. Get me some views on, on the site. I'll be taking that over and revamping it. So other than that, just thanks for coming on, guys. And, and thank you guys for listening. And we'll be back next week.
Social Podcast Network.